You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, my dear friend and comrade, Dr. Holtz, for an altogether too generous introduction. Very welcome for all of that, but too generous. I want to thank Dean Wiggum for his extra courtesy and understanding and patience. It is a coincidence that the Salvation Army weekend in Salvation Army Chapel and the Visiting Scholars weekend happen to fall on the same time. So I must begin my few remarks by saying I'm enjoined, not by the administration, but by a sense of common decency, to tell you visitors that this is not a Salvation Army college. You might have thought that image might be conveyed to you by these circumstances, but no, it is not. In fact, the Salvation Army is only 6% of the undergraduates here at Asbury College, about 60 people out of roughly 1,000. Now, this happens to be more Salvationists enrolled at Asbury than at any other institution of higher learning in the United States, but it is nevertheless only 6%. However, I do feel on the other side that I should draw your attention to the National Review of College Guide, America's 50 Top Liberal Arts Schools. Now, common sense would suggest to you that I wouldn't bring this to your attention unless Asbury were mentioned. <laughs> and it is. And in that reference to Asbury College, which I think all of you should read with pride and joy, there is a sentence, several sentences, one of which I will read to you. One significant presence on campus is the Salvation Army. <laughs> That's well worth having in your memories. <laughs> Beautiful sentence, well phrased, important, <laughs> dynamic sentence, elegant, to the point. My assignment this morning then must be a um, threefold one. I want to try and share with you what it seems to me at least, the Salvation Army, Asbury College, and numerous visiting young smart people have in common. <laughs> well, they have trivial things in common, silly things. They're all human. They have some serious things in common. All the members of those three groups, and there's some overlap, obviously, between them, but all the members of those groups uh, have in common that they are responsible. And they have some precious things in common. All the members of those three groups have in common that Christ died for them. And before I go on in elaborating my thoughts about what they have in common, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture and in doing that, let me refer to a wonderful new Bible, the New Wesley Study Bible, which uh, four, on which four of our Bible scholars here at Asbury College made a major contribution. Uh, Dr. Hamilton, Dr. Gerald Miller, uh, Dr. Robert Moore, and uh, uh, Dr. Roger Cushy. Some of you have not had the pleasure of knowing Dr. Cushy. He's retired. He's a former dean, and he also made a contribution. This is a wonderful new translation, or, or the translation is not their own, but the, the uh, citations and the commentary are there. It's really a lovely Bible. I want to read to you from Ephesians, the fourth chapter, good bit of the fourth chapter, starting with the 17th verse, down through the first three verses, first two verses in chapter five, and select out of that long passage the few lines I want to particularly draw attention to. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, because alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, 
that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself to us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And in particular, first two chapter, the first two uh, verses of chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we have in common, Salvation Army, Asbury College, and visiting young smart people, that we are commanded of God's Holy Spirit to walk in love. What does it mean to walk in love? For the Salvation Army, walking in love means evangelism. The Salvation Army was first started, its founder, William Booth, announced to the world, we are a salvation people. Our purpose is to save souls. And every part of the Salvation Army, all the parts of the Salvation Army, all its different aspects and programs are designed to win souls. It is an agency of the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. The bands that are so associated with the Salvation Army, they were first put together to convey the gospel to the crowds in big American cities, big European cities, are over the sound of traffic. Choirs that the Salvation Army uses. The Spirit of the Lord inhabits His praise. We use flags, which are scriptural. In the Psalms, our Lord promises a banner to those that fear Him, the banner of love. The uniform that Salvation Army people wear, Salvationists wear, is intended, it has various purposes, but it is intended primarily as a witness. Salvationists are saved and live to serve. This evangelism is of salvation. This evangelism is of holiness. The Salvation Army is a holiness denomination and preaches that we need not spend our whole Christian existence struggling in the wilderness, but there is a Jordan experience, a Jordan opportunity, a Jordan promise. We pass through to a Canaan of real peace and real joy and real love in this life. It is, a, it is a gospel of missions. The Salvation Army is mission-minded. It has a large program of home missions, and I would suspect that it is the program of home missions for which the Salvation Army is best known in the United States, maybe best known uh, to most of the people in this audience. But the Salvation Army also has an international mission program, and it may be as a surprise to you to learn that the Salvation Army is the largest Protestant missionary organization on earth. It has work in 93 countries. And the gospel is preached in Salvation Army halls in 136 different languages. I was not even aware there were 136 different languages. The gospel is being preached in 136 different languages. So for the Salvation Army, the walk in love is evangelism. What is the walk in love for Asbury College? I think the walk in love for Asbury College is preparation. It is a time of preparation. It is an experience of preparation. It is an institution given over 
to preparation, to spiritual preparation. It is a time, a place, an institution, an experience in which persons of all ages and statuses, all categories, learn to know and to love the Christ of love, Christ of Christ of power, the Christ of glory. It is an experience of mental preparation, intellectual preparation, by which I mean it is a time when you learn a lot and you learn it well so that you can remember it and so that you can use it. It's a time of social preparation. You learn to live and work with people. You learn to make friends and keep them. You learn good manners. And good manners is nothing more than patience, kindness, and thoughtfulness. And of all the virtues in the world, other than the cardinal virtues that the Holy Spirit confirms on, especially in his own powerful ministry, can't think of anything better to learn than kindness, thoughtfulness, and patience. It's a place of it's a place of physical preparation. Did I read in the student newspaper a revelation that um, we are going to have varsity basketball in the fall? The, the, uh, I did read in the Jessamine Journal, full of interesting information about the current crisis in Wilmore, about there's not a crisis, it wouldn't matter to you, but it uh, has to do with um, controversy over an annexation of some neighboring property. and People are divided over this, and the newspaper's been giving it a lot of attention. Well, I'm reading this avidly, and what do I find in section two of the Jessamine Journal? A quotation from Dr. Kinlaw. And what is this quotation? It is that Asbury is committed, says Dr. Kinlaw, to physical fitness, to sports, and to athletics. So it's a time of physical preparation. Well, that leaves us with the last category. What is the walk in love for visiting young smart people? Or for that matter, for resident young smart people? Or for resident young ordinary people? The test of love, the test of love is obedience. So the walk in love, I think, for young smart people, no matter where they stand on the issue of movement, whether they are passing through or whether they're here for good, or for some period of time in between, test of love is obedience, to obey God's will, to obey God's word, to listen to the counsel of the Holy Spirit, to listen to the counsel of good, wise friends, to listen to, to respond to the counsel, the challenge of circumstances. There is a kind of a stewardship of circumstances. I think a whole series of messages could be prepared, uh, profitably prepared on the, on, the on the stewardship of circumstances. Scripture tells us not to walk as the unwise do, but to walk as the wise do, making good use of Good use of the time. What resources do visiting young smart people and resident young smart people have about which they should be in a state of obedience? They have time and they have talent. We have, we have an old song in the Salvation Army, time and talent, all I surrender. Uh, an old 19th century song, time and talent. These are the resources which God has bestowed on young smart people, that they have time and they have talent. To those who are visiting, I would say, put yourself in a frame to obey. If this is the place that God would have you to come, then you must obey him. If it is not the place in which God, to which God would have you to come, then find the right place and go to it. This might be for you the place where God's Holy Spirit will tell you, if you let him, what you want more than anything else in the world. You may very well not know what you want more than anything else in the world, what you want more than all the world beside. And then the Holy Spirit will tell you to strive to get it. And this may be the place that that happens for you. And if so, we are prepared to welcome you with figurative and literal and spiritual and emotional and social open arms. For those of you who are already here, I would make the same injunction. Let the Holy Spirit show you what you want more than all the world beside and strive to get it. Just yesterday, I read an article by Elton Trueblood called The Vision of Excellence. And it caused me to change what 
I had prepared for the last part of these few remarks. And I will paraphrase some of what uh, Trubot said in that article. He said, imagine greatness. In your mind, imagine what would be great for you and strive to get it. Strive to achieve it. Settle for nothing less. It's a terrible thing to sink to the level of mediocrity. To do what is just necessary to get by. To do the job. To keep your position. A kind of a... Uh, I won't even say eight to five mentality because uh, good numbers of persons are able to get by working less than eight to five. But whatever the minimum is for you to get by without a lot of rebuke and tension and disappointment on the part of the persons around you is what many people do. What a shame. I can't think of anything sadder that there are a lot of people who come to the end of their lives or come to the end of a sizable and significant section of their lives, such as their college experience, and they look back on it and they have nothing, nothing in that experience which they can be proud. Nothing they can say that I did this as a witness. I did this as a steward. I did this as a servant of Jesus Christ. I did this for Christ's sake and in his name. Nothing. So those of you who are here, let the Holy Spirit illuminate your hearts. Let him show you what you want more than anything else in the world and then strive with him and through him and in his power and under his guidance to achieve it. And in all your striving, strive to know what is good to God, what is loving, what is right. And it will be well with you, and it will be well with your soul. And with those remarks, I dismiss you with affection and respect.